0: Welcome, members, visitors, and friends. So happy to have you join us for this podcast, And the Church Said, where we discuss insights and issues on how the body and the members can interact in ways that promote spiritual, mental, emotional, and relational well-being. I am Dr. Monique Smith-Gatson, your host for this podcast. I'm also a licensed clinician. However, this podcast is not intended to serve as therapy we encourage you to engage in your own personal counseling. So come on in because the doors are open and take a seat on any pew that you choose. We hope your time here will leave you declaring a hearty and resounding amen. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us on today. So glad to have you with us um, as we continue to discuss Our topic about psychological abuse, we've been talking about this um, for quite some time now. So I will be picking up that discussion on today and giving a little bit more information about um, psychological abuse. So again, thank you all for joining us. If this is your first time, we welcome you here. So glad to have you to be a part. For those of you who continue to listen in week after week, or month after month, or you know, the occasional listener, I'm just so grateful for your support, really and really, really. I'm so grateful. Okay, so I just want to do a little bit of reviewing when I talked about psychological abuse. Think couple of episodes ago, because we've had some guests um, to come and speak to us in between. But a couple of episodes ago, I gave the definition for psychological or emotional abuse. Talked about those words are sometimes used interchangeably. But this was according to the National Domestic Domestic Violence Hotline website. Um, psychological or emotional abuse is defined as non-physical behaviors that are meant to control, isolate, or frighten. Control, isolate, or frighten. This may be present in romantic or dating or married relationships. So that can include threats, insults, constant monitoring, monitoring, excessive jealousy, manipulation, humiliation, intimidation, dismissiveness. And it also can include more obvious behaviors, such as being yelled at, being called names, acting jealous of time spent with friends, not wanting you to be with friends or or a different gender, gaslighting you. Which means an abuser will say or do things that cause you to question yourself, your feelings, your thoughts, and instincts, and even your sanity. Okay, so that was the working definition that we've been using. um, The one that is on the National Domestic Violence Hotline website. That is the definition that we've been using to kind of frame our discussion and kind of keep in mind what it is that we need to be looking for specifically and especially in church settings. I talked to you about an article that was written by Avery Neal that was entitled Identifying Psychological Abuse. And I gave some facts and some statistics the last episode that she mentioned But today, I'm just going to focus in on three that I mentioned from her article. I just want to kind of hone in on three. Um, All of them are very important. And I think we need to be very informed according to that article what um, these these facts are surrounding psychological abuse. But I just want to kind of hone in on three to really emphasize why we, again, as the church, really need to focus in and have eyes to see where we can see some relational dynamics that might indicate that there is psychological abuse that is taking place or that psychological abuse is is, is going to take place because we're already seeing these indicators, these factors that are pointing the way toward that. So the three facts that Avery Neal mentioned that I'm going to talk about today. The first one was Psychological abuse is the most prevalent form of intimate partner violence. The most prevalent, the most prevalent form of intimate partner violence. Half of Americans have experienced emotional abuse by a partner in their lifetime. And lastly, most victims of psychological abuse do not know that they are experiencing abuse. And you know, if what I have done in the last twenty plus years is um, an indication as to these facts, I can say yes, yes, and yes. Like you know my my sample, according to this larger population, I can say yes. A psychological abuse is the most prevalent form of intimate partner violence. Half of Americans have experienced emotional abuse by a partner in their lifetime, and most victims of psychological abuse do not know that they are experiencing abuse. So, if we go back and consider that verse Psalm 46:1 that God is our refuge and our strength, a helper who is always found in times of trouble. In the question that I have been asking, what does it mean? What does it mean for the church to be a refuge and a source of strength? And in the context of our conversation, for those who are the victims of psychological abuse, what does it mean for the church to be a refuge, a source of strength to those who are victims of psychological abuse? Now, refuge in the Hebrew is intended to convey hope, a place of refuge, shelter, trust. And it is defined as a refuge or a shelter from rain or storm, from danger or falsehood. So when we think about these facts that I am highlighting today, And when we think of God being a refuge, being the hope, a shelter from danger, how can we imagine the church being a witness to those who are victims? What does this mean? And like I said before, I really like to invite the listeners in to think about this. I'm hoping that as you listen to this and as you think about it in the context of your own local body, you ask yourself that question. What does it mean for us as a local body to be a refuge for those who are suffering from psychological abuse? And I think that We really need to sit with this and we need to ponder and we need to think about how is it that our church can be this refuge. So knowing that psychological abuse is the most prevalent form of intimate partner violence and half of Americans have experienced emotional abuse by a partner in their lifetime, I think it is important that the church talk about this very complex topic. It's like the church cannot afford to ignore or shy away from talking about psychological abuse. And so hence, that's why I'm talking about it because I am the church, right? I'm slowly trying to plant this online community of healing and uniting and restoring and in, in Christian hope. And, and you are the church. I am the church and we are all members of the body. Well, those of us who are members of the body, right? First Corinthians 12, verse 26, tell, 26 tells us, if one member suffers, then all of the members suffers with it. So we need to find ways to heighten the awareness of psychological abuse in the church. We need to talk about what it means and how it shows up in relationships. And yes, even our relationships with our Christian sisters and brothers, and even with our spiritual leaders. Another conversation for another day, but suffice it to say, how does it show up in these relationships? Who might be vulnerable to psychological abuse? We need to think about what types of people who may be vulnerable to psychological abuse. And that might mean we need to um, only in a little bit closer. We need to protect the the weaker body, uh, the weaker members of the body, if you will. We need to help them to protect themselves. And we also sometimes might have to step in and um, kind of interfere in some interactions if we see that they may be preyed upon because they are vulnerable. How and how if we do not shed psychological abuse? If we don't examine for psychological abuse, how we will how we will allow the environment within the local body to cultivate abuse within our community. We don't check for it. If we don't examine it. If we don't pay attention, look out for, raise awareness, discuss psychological abuse, we could be cultivating the environment that will allow psychological abuse to thrive. See why we need to talk about right? So as often as we can, we need to talk about psychological abuse in the children and the youth ministries in the young adult ministries in the college ministries with the singles um, with the women and men's ministry and let's not forget the senior adult ministries there is a form there, there is a form of psychological abuse that we We label elder abuse, and sometimes, yes, it includes physical abuse, and sometimes it is psychological abuse. They need to be informed. So again, it won't be this internalization of maybe I'm doing something wrong as to why I am being treated as poorly as I'm being treated. We also, and I would say especially, need to talk about psychological abuse, in leadership trainings. If you're not talking about psychological abuse in the leadership in your churches, then there's a problem. Yeah. Because this is where it needs to start. Leadership needs to recognize that there's a need to talk about this from the pulpit. Now, I'm also very aware that we, you know, I've heard so many people say, you know, that, that we, we still want to make sure that, you know, pastors do what they're supposed to do and it should be about spiritual, spiritual formation and helping us to mature in the faith. And I'm so totally agreeing with that. Yes, totally. And also, we have to talk about the hindrances to our spiritual growth. We have to talk about what obstacles keep us from being spiritually mature. And a lot of times those are surrounding our emotional immaturity. Yeah. And so when we are um, perpetrators of psychological abuse, there is an emotional immaturity that is taking place. Your discipleship needs to consider if we are trying to grow people spiritually so that people can um, conform more and more to the image of Christ, then we have to point out to people what are the obstacles that keep that from happening. And if we're mistreating people, if we're in toxic relationships if we have unhealthy interactions, those are going to be factors that are going to prevent our spiritual maturation. We have to look at the fruit. We cannot look at the charismatic personalities. People can say things and they can do things and they give us all of the feels that, you know, they are spiritually mature. And that very well may not be true. We need to look for the evidence found in the fruit. So we really, really, really must talk about this in leadership. Leadership needs to recognize that psychological abuse is real. They need to recognize that, again, that is the most prevalent form of intimate partner violence. Leadership needs to think about if half of Americans have experienced emotional abuse by a partner in their lifetime, what what statistic, what half of the people in my congregation have already experienced this? And for those who are experiencing psychological abuse and don't even know to call it abuse, then I have a responsibility to help them to understand how they are being mistreated, how poorly that they are being treated, and how even that interferes with them understanding and even believing that Jesus loves them if they are being mistreated by their Christian brothers and sisters. We must discuss this in the church. We must check the environment for psychological abuse. If not, we run the risk of cultivating the environment that will allow psychological abuse to thrive. So if we're gonna love each other well, we're gonna need to assess for this. We need to discuss what unhealthy and toxic relationships look like, and we need to start with the leadership, period. You know, I get passionate talking about the leadership, as goes the leadership, goes everything else. So I'm very, very passionate when it comes to talking about spiritual views. Nonetheless, we also need to talk with children about what the healthy interactions look like between them and another. Now it's one thing for us to encourage children to stand up for themselves when they are being bullied. And it's another thing when the child, him or herself is being the bully. We need to help children name anger and equip them with ways to deal with anger and to understand that I can talk about my anger with another person, but it is not right for me to um, treat them poorly due to my anger and my not knowing what to do with it. We need to teach this to children. We need to teach this to teens and, and young adults, and we really need to help them to understand what um, psycho- psychologically abusive relationships look like when we understand that many people do not even know that they are in abusive relationships. And unfortunately, I have seen this even with young adults, with teenagers, they don't know that they are in an abusive relationship. And that is so scary. It is heartbreaking because sometimes they become so intertwined in those relationships that it gets harder and harder for them to 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 disentangle and leave. So we as the church, we have to help our members understand what psychological abuse is. We need to help them to understand what unhealthy relationships look like. And and we have to even understand and consider, you know, our societal influences. Social media is a huge thing in this world. And there can be so much drama, so much drama that is fed to our young people, all of us really, but I'm thinking especially of like our our teens and our young adults and our children that they they are quote unquote entertained by this drama and they very well may be um, deluded in terms of understanding that this drama is toxic. This is not the art form that we want your life to imitate by no means. So we have to really take seriously these, these three facts that I mentioned earlier that psychological abuse is the most prevalent form of intimate partner violence. Half of Americans have experienced emotional abuse by a partner in their lifetime. And that most victims of psychological abuse do not know that they are experiencing abuse. If we are to be a refuge if we are supposed to be hope, if we are supposed to be shelter, if we are supposed to be um, shelter from danger or falsehood, what does it mean for our local congregations, our local communities, our local body, the church? What does it mean? For the church to be a refuge. And so I do believe that one of the ways the church can be a refuge, the church can offer hope, the church can be a shelter, is by educating on what psychological abuse looks like. What it involves. Letting them know that you very well may be in an abusive relationship and you don't know it according to the statistics. What does it mean for the church to be a refuge? I think that we need to equip with abuse education. We need to model healthy relationships. We need to be willing to have resources available to help people who might discover that they are in a toxic relationship to leave. So I invite you to think about, what does it mean? What does it mean for the church to be a refuge for those who are dealing with psychological abuse? So you have heard my call. What does this mean for the church to be a refuge when psychological abuse is the most prevalent form of intimate partner violence. What does it mean for the church to be a refuge when half of Americans have experienced emotional abuse by a partner in their lifetime? What does it mean for the church to be a refuge when most victims of psychological abuse do not know they are experiencing abuse? You have heard my call. What will be your response? And the church City.